0: Well, this morning, I'm so excited. We have finished another series. I was looking the other day. This is my 907th Sunday at Christ Community Church. You're like, boy, he's anal. He's uh, He's kind of got this thing figured out. Yeah, okay. I, I, like, I like numbers, but I kind of figured this out. 907. Wow. That's a lot of weekends, isn't it? They're awesome. I hope I have another 900, another 900, another 900. We'll have as many as the Lord gives us. This morning, though, we are starting a brand new series, Set Free. It's kind of interesting that video had the, the safari situation and <laughs> some things. I, I remember being in, uh, it was 2011, I went to Africa with Compassion International, and I've never seen so many zebras in all my life. Zebras are like dogs and cats in Montgomery, Alabama, multiplied to the hundredth power. It's just—I mean, we rode up and I looked out, and it was just like zebra land. I was like, "This is crazy." So anyway, it's just the way it is. This morning, I want to talk to you though about Colossians, this book written there at Colossi. Uh, the the pastor there is a church planting pastor. His name's Epaphras. He comes to Christ under the ministry of Paul, and he goes back to start a church. What we'll learn this morning is there were some tremendous challenges there at Colossae. Scholars think that this was probably the first imprisonment of Paul, somewhere between 50, 55, 60 A.D. And it's to the believers there at Colossae, it's a, it's a diminished commercial center. There was tremendous commerce of wool and other things. It was very uh, populated, had a lot going on, and then it started kind of just declining. Sounds like some other things around our country But the purpose of the book, why Paul wrote it, besides being inspired by the Holy Spirit, it was to refute, to come against the emerging heresies of the day that threaten the foundation of the Colossian church. The devil always finds a place where there's life. And when he finds there's life, he loves to attack. The Bible says he's out there to attack, to prowl, to devour us as Christ followers, to come against his church. After have to admit, he's done a pretty good job. And what Colossians does as we build our case, Paul will point to the preeminence. Just write it across your thing. We'll talk about it all through this study, the word preeminence. He points to the preeminence, to the supremacy of Jesus. He just wants to keep pointing them back to the main thing being Jesus Christ. Because they're... Uh, a group that are highly suspicious of religion for a lot of reasons. I know this: if you and I decide to get religion and not relationship, it saps our joy, it saps the very life and vitality that Christ comes to give us. Uh, Colossi would be modern-day Turkey if you wanted to look at a map. I should have put a map up there for you. I'm sorry, you probably have one in the back of your Bible if you look. If you have a study Bible, you will. But Paul's trying to say, I want to bring about, I want to remind you, there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom, absolute freedom in Jesus. But the Gnostics and the other people there, these emergent heresies, they were trying to get people to bind to religion, to be bound up in something that was human uh, tradition, ritual, no power. Follow this list of rules. Keep these rules. Don't do this. Do that. Try harder. Can I say something to you this morning? Trying harder is not biblical Christianity. Did you know that? I'll, I'll try not to cuss. Well, that's good for a preacher, okay. It's good for you, too. I'll try not to sin. I'll try not to do this. Well, that's good, trying harder. But can I ask you all an honest question? Where's trying harder got you? Bondage. You fall short, don't you? I mean, it's just impossible without the power of Christ. So Paul says, I've come to set you free. Uh, it, It parallels, though, really the society Because we have emerging heresies that try to come against the church in 2014. And if the Lord tarries, there will always be false ideologies, doctrines that will try to come against the church of Jesus Christ. And God says, hey, I've already spoken. And In Ecclesiastes, we studied Wednesday night in our life group. And we read this phrase, there's nothing new under, say it louder, the sun. Oh, y'all were there. That was awesome. I didn't see you, but we had a great study. Okay, you, but you read that. That's what Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, he said there's nothing new under the sun. So the audience here is appointing them back to Christ. The mega themes is Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Live a Christ, God-centered, exalting life. And you're saying, well, that's pretty rudimental. I mean, that's foundational. It is. But man, these Gnostics and these heretics, man, they had great power, and they had persuasion, and, and they were coming against the people of the day, and they were getting them off course. So, Epaphras, as I studied this, he went somewhere between 1,300 miles from Rome to Colossae to talk to Paul. And Paul says, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to write, I'm going to pen some instructions for the church at Colossae to refute the error, because man, they're getting off course. And then we find in our Bible, we just, just open there. We turn it, and it says what? The book of Colossians. There's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then there's what? Colossians, a great book diminishing cultural center of the day Uh, take i think paul would say this this morning christ community take root take root in christ just establish your faith in jesus don't establish it in in man-made religion it's not going to get you they're going to uh these heretics are going to question christianity biblical christianity and i I they they had crazy teachings about marriage and abortion and life and all these things and yet, Paul would say, there's believers. Colossi. you're in Christ. Remember this. You're in Christ, Colossi. but I want you to remember something else. You're in the world. Is that not you and I? This morning, if you're born again, if you've been grafted, adopted into Jesus Christ, you are in Christ, but you live in the world. And those two worlds compete. They, they collide. They, they battle. Do, do I have a witness in here? Do y'all battle the world every day? I mean, do y'all get up and just go, ah, man, this Jesus thing, got it down, man, look just like him. Wow, that's awesome. I'm struggling with it still. Here it is, Colossians 1. This letter's from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus from our brother Timothy. We're writing to God's holy people in verse 2, to the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. There it is, the the brotherhood of believers. May God our Father give you grace and peace. And then, then he launches into verse 3. Here we go. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. In the NLT, it says the good news. In the NIV, and I believe the New American Standard and other translations, it says, since you've heard the the gospel. Good news means gospel. Gospel means good news. They're interchangeable. I don't know which word you like. I love the word gospel. But I like the word good news too, don't you? And when you and I proclaim Christ, we give good news. We carry the gospel. This morning, I do it every day. I got up, I either do it in my study or I do it in my shower just depends which one happens first. If I get there for a quiet time, I do it there first. If I get to the shower, it's part of who Pastor Keith is. PK does this. I put on the armor of God. I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the plate, the belt plate of truth. I put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And if I'm sitting in the shower, I do some of this. Right, you're going, you're a nut. Well, I'm just telling you, man, I'm putting them on. I say, I'm going to walk in the gospel today. I'm going to bring the good news. Amen. And then I'm going to carry the shield of the faith. And then I'm going to carry the sword of the spirit. That's the word of God. And that's just not for preachers. That's for every Christian. I mean, So here he is. So he he launches here, and he goes, hey, I thank God. I I have gratitude in my heart. Just right down there, gratitude. I'm under house arrest. I mean, guys, how many of you would be grateful if you were under house arrest? All right, here we go. You're going, "Oh, I'm spiritual. Okay, let me just be really practical for a minute. A couple weeks ago, school was out. Your kids were home for multiple days. How many of you wanted to commit murder, treason, crimes, robbery? How many of you rejoiced the day they went back to school? Go ahead and give me a witness. How many of you rejoiced when your husband went back to work? Praise Jesus when your wife went back to work, or whatever. Somebody, somebody left, like, man, our home has got to change, you know? Have y'all been thinking about the people in the northeast and all around the country that are in all this snow? Have you, have you thought about how tough that could be? You're like, no, I, I, I don't want to be them. Oh, well, boy, what compassion you have. You need to go back and listen to last week's message. Here it is, number one. The process, rather than the first blank, the process of faith, hope, and love. It's a triad here of the gospel emerges right there in the early onset of chapter 1. Faith, hope, love. Hope draws us to faith. Faith leads you and I to love. Let me say it again. Hope draws us to faith, but then faith leads you and I to an experience, to an encounter of the love of Christ to then extend it to others. Where do I get hope? I'm glad you asked. From the gospel. People ask me all the time, where do I get hope? (laughs) In my ears. No. Where, where, where do I get hope? I get it from the hope of the gospel. Where do you get hope? You get it from the gospel. You're saying, well, I find hope in my, in my mate. I find hope in my kids. I find That's great, and you do find some temporary hope in that. But it always disappoints. You know what I've learned about Jesus? Jesus never disappoints. Jesus always satisfies. Now, I want to give you quickly in this box the 4G approach to the gospel. I set up a friend of mine I had lunch with this week, and I started talking about some of these ideologies and uh, heresies, and then I talked about the four Gs. I said, no, come Sunday. I don't want to give it to you. So here it is. You ready? I want you to fill this in because this is important, and and we're talking about the good news. We're talking about the gospel, and it springs forth. But first, you know what? I want to tease you a little longer. I want you to turn over. Will you turn over to 1 Corinthians with me? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to give you a case for, for gospel. And then we'll launch into the 4G. Here it is, 15, verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news of the gospel I preached to you before you welcomed it, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news, it's the gospel, that saves you if you continue to believe the message. I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I placed onto you what was most important, what had to also been passed on to me, Christ. Here it is. This is good news. Christ died for our sins just as the scripture says he was buried he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures say so when you and i talk about gospel we talk about death burial resurrection coming again of jesus christ that's gospel that's, that's i mean that's all i got to brag in. that's what i want to boast in everything else is foolishness To those who are perishing, the Bible says the cross is foolishness. But those that are born again, those that have a desire to go to heaven, they need to cross, they need to embrace Christ. And when they do, they have hope, they have confidence, they have assurance, and their sins are forgiven. That's great news, church. Yeah, okay, well, you know, a couple, three of you believe it. Okay, so Paul says, get it right, get it right here. Have this conquering death of Christ, live for him. Get in the narrative of the gospel. Let's fill in the G's. Number one, God is great. Sounds like a prayer. God is great, God is good. No, 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 that's a prayer. Okay, God is great. What does that mean? It means I don't have to control my spouse. I don't have to control my kids. I don't have to control my world. I don't have to control my money. Jesus is above all. God is great. Is that a good premise this morning? God is great. You don't have to control anything. Okay, let's be real with one another. Does anybody like to control stuff besides me? We're having a small group this Thursday. Come see me. Will it be the biggest one in the church? No, no. no, Some of us like to control. Number two, God is glorious. He is glorious. He is above all. We don't have to fear him. We he we make it about him. He is worthy of our affection and praise. Let me tell you one reason I I do this four G thing from the Soma Center that I learned about. This is just a new way to share the gospel, to share your witness, to make proclamation. So we want to say, God is great. God is glorious. My affection, my honor, my worship goes to Him. The third, God is good. I don't have to look anywhere else. Satisfaction, sufficiency is found in Jesus. That's what Paul would say to the Colossian church, and he would say to Christ Community Church this morning, go, Christ is enough, Christ is good. So you point to Him. And the fourth G, God is gracious. He's made His face to shine upon us. He has given us his blessing. He's adopted us in Christ. We don't have to measure up. We don't have to prove ourselves. God, here it is, God measures us through the cross. God had everything met in the cross. And I look at the cross, and I embrace the cross, and you embrace the cross. And that's how God is gracious to us. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can we give him praise in the church today? Christ died for us sinners. Yeah, man, I love that good news. Man, I need that good news. Christ died for me. Well, I think some of you don't think you're sinners. I right, so let's do the exercise we did last weekend. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a serious sinner this week. No, no, I'm just kidding. Last week I told you to turn and say, you're a little sinner. Some said you're great. This week you're a serious sinner if you don't realize you need Christ. So loving kindness toward Christ, pointing to him. I'll just give you a couple points just on this gospel thing that I want you to hear Prayer is evangelism. Just write it. This is bonus material. Prayer is evangelism. I begin to always pray, God, who would be in my life? Not that I want to get it perfect, but God, I want to share the gospel. I want to pray. I want to sow seeds. Secondly, I sow the seeds liberally. I share my witness to those that will listen. I sow the gospel to those that are possibly ready to receive, to those that God's put on my heart. It's very important. The third thing, I invite people to gathering such as this i beg you to invite people to our weekend worship experience i bet you don't have a band at your house like jeff and his team and i know you don't have a big mouth like me at your house you're like well praise god you know that's that wasn't funny okay and uh but i mean and, and you don't have a nursery and and child care and you have this incredible student ministry and you have friends and you have coffee and you have donuts and you have a parking lot and you, have, you just have all this climate this environment it's a gathering Th- today i, I my, my fun story from my friend ray out on the west coast i just met somebody's parents a minute ago and they said oh we've heard about you and you know you always wonder what people have heard about you but they, but they were smiling so i thought it was gracious and and they said, we're looking so forward to today. Now, when you tell me you're looking so forward to today, there's a thought that comes to me real quick. I learned it in athletics. Don't choke, Bubba. And I remember my friend Ray Johnson one time, they were growing the great church at Bayside Covenant there in Sacramento, and he, he, they were in a school, and there were thousands of people coming. He looked up one day, and the guy came to Ray and said, Ray, there are 35 people that I've been witnessing, praying for. 35 people from my office came to church today. And Ray went, wow. And then he put his arm around his pastor, and he said these words. I've never forgotten it. I think about it every time I come out here. Don't choke. And he walked off. <laughs> See, it's kind of it's fun for y'all. Y'all are like, I didn't like public speaking in school. I didn't want to be an orator. Well, I've always liked to run my mouth, so that was no problem. It's just I want to have something to say worth saying, okay? So we invite people to gatherings. Uh, if you know Jesus... That's enough. Just share what Christ has done for you. Let's move through this. So, secondly, the problem is a melting pot for religions. There at Colossae, there's um, uh, all these sects of religious views and convictions are coming to play. Uh, the Colossian church is in uh, jeopardy, as I said a minute ago. And they were denying the, literally the, the, the power of Christ. But I want you to see these Colossian uh, the, these heresies. This is kind of a big word here. Syncretism. It means combining the elements of several religions to come up with something new. They were just combining a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, and that'll make up a religion. That'll be something that will follow. It'll be man made. I mean, it's called cults and occults. They're, they're man evolved, they, they develop, and then when things don't come true, uh, then they you know, abort that mission and get another one. Secondly, ceremonialism. They were really into that at Colossi, and they had strict rules about food and drink and religious festivals, and when you touch this, and when you ate, and when you didn't do that, and you can touch that, and then don't touch this at this time, and that's the wrong time of day, and, and I'm thinking, man, I don't want to be a part of that. And then the third one, there was emerging Gnosticism, and, and we did whole weeks on Gnosis and and, and Gnosticism in seminary and and I won't share all that with you except it means thorough knowledge Gnosis instead of faith they they prided themselves in having great knowledge if they had superior knowledge That would earn them favor with God and they would get into layers with God and they would be able to come closer to God Because it'd be like if somebody over here has special knowledge We go to them because if they impart what they have then maybe I will get one step closer to Jesus Christ and I'll get it aren't you glad that we all come by the way of the cross through the advocate the lord jesus christ and i don't have to find some man to give me secret knowledge to know my heavenly father isn't that good news you're saying man i mean yeah it just wears me out trying to find out well who's truth i know who truth is i know the embodiment of truth in acts he says i'll tell you who that unknown god is his name is jesus i go lord i want to believe in you this hidden knowledge that i can only come near and, and then they got in this thing called angel mania and they thought we got to get close to the angels and if we have the right angels and we talk to them and we do this we'll get close to god We are not let me i got to say this because the other day I talked to somebody they love Jesus Christ But they were so confused in this and I wanted to blow a gasket i talked to my angels. My angels watch over me. Can I just tell y'all? Let me hear listen from this pulpit right now God encamps his angels around us But we do not have knowledge that we have angels like in terms of your mom and dad your grandparents They die. They do not come back as your angel Can I just go ahead and tell you the Word of God says they are created beings Christ Died for us. Amen? I just gotta tell you that. Don't come to me and go, my mom's watching over me. Your mom is not watching over you. Am I, can I get any clear? Now, I believe if your mom's in heaven, I believe she sees from the banister of heaven when the Bible says we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. But your mom and your dad, your brother, your sister, they're not your angel. I, I, I'm sorry, I just had to say that because when I hear error, I won't. It's my job to help you with error. I mean, how many of you want to go to a doctor, and he knows that this will kill you, but he won't tell you because he might offend you? I'm getting a new doctor. Oh, but you're not because you're dead. Okay, let's, let's look at it. All right, here we go. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out. Some of you are like, I know the logic of that. Okay, dead, D-E-A-D, write it in your notes. All right, two religious systems here, very important. The religion of human achievement. What can I do? Man, we can all succumb to that, even being in Christ, much less if we're not in Christ. I tell you what, they will knock on your door soon. Jehovah's Witness. How many of you ever had a Jehovah's Witness come to your door? Raise your hands high. Hey, let's get this on video all across the city so they can say, don't come back to my house. We already know y'all are everywhere. You know why they're doing that? Because they're compelled to save themselves. They're compelled to earn their salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. It is a gift of grace that no man can boast. It's the gift of God in Jesus Christ that we are saved and atoned for by His blood. And it is no works, and I cannot do work enough, and you cannot. It is not something we do. Now, it results in being active and alive, as James says. I'm not trying to say we're just a bunch of dummies, but it's not achievement on our part. Look at the next one, Religion, religion of the divine. It's something that's already been done. already been completed it was completed at the cross of calvary it's a good finished work jesus i love the words he just goes it is finished it is done not i'll get back to you i I got a little more work to do no the bible says jesus shed his blood once and for all for the perpetuation for the forgiveness of sin Boy, I get excited about that. It's, here it is, just filling in here. The prescription: Christ only, not Christ plus. That's what it is. It's it's Christ only, Christ alive, Christ sufficient, Christ preeminent, Christ the Holy One, not Christ plus good works, not Christ plus church membership. It's not Christ plus baptism. Baptism is important for those that follow Christ, but it's not Christ plus anything. It is Christ. Can we settle on that today? Circle Christ on your worship guide. Just circle that. Start. Tattoo it. Rub your lipstick on it. I want you to just make sure this is Christ. And Some of us, we look back at Colossian heresies and we don't understand, but I've, I've been trying to give you a little history, but then so many times these false ideas will creep into our day and they have. They have in the years that I've been following Christ. Let me share this with you. There's a video that I watched and I'm only going to show you a part of it because I hate religion. I love Jesus, but I hate religion. Religion takes people to hell. Religion holds people in bondage. Today we want to talk about being set free from religion. I want you to watch
1: this quick video clip. This guy nails it. Listen, watch this with me. See the problem with religion is it never gets to the core It's just behavior modification like a long list of chores. Like, let's dress up the outside, make it look nice and neat. But it's funny, that's what they used to do to mummies while the corpse rots underneath. Now I ain't judging, I'm just saying, quit putting on a fake look. Because there's a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook. I mean, in every other aspect of life, you know that logic's unworthy. It's like saying you play for the Lakers just because you bought a jersey. See, this was me too, but no one seemed to be on to me acting like a church kid while addicted to pornography. See, on Sunday I'd go to church, but Saturday getting faded, acting if I was simply created to just have sex and get wasted. See, I spent my whole life building this facade of neatness, but now that I know Jesus, I boast in my weakness. Because if grace is water, then the church should be an ocean. It's not a museum for good people, it's a hospital for the broken, which means I don't have to hide my failure, I don't have to hide my sin because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on him. See, because when I was God's enemy, and certainly not a fan, he looked down and said, I want that man. Which is why Jesus hated religion, and for it he called him fools. Don't you see so much better than just following some rules? Now let me clarify. I love the church, I love the Bible, and yes, I believe in sin. But if Jesus came to your church, would they actually let him in? See, remember he was called a glutton and a drunkard by religious men. But the Son of God never supports self-righteousness, not now, not then. Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention, how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. See, one is the cure, but the other's the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion puts you in bondage, while Jesus sets you free. Religion makes you blind, but Jesus makes you see. And that's why religion and Jesus are two different clans. Religion is man searching for God. Christianity is God searching for man, which is why salvation is freely mine and forgiveness is my own. Not based on my merits, but Jesus' obedience alone. Because he took the crown of thorns and the blood dripped down his face. He took what we all deserve. I guess that's why you call it grace. And while being murdered, He yelled, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Because when he was dangling on that cross, he was thinking of you. And he absorbed all your sin, and he buried it in the tomb, which is why I'm kneeling at the cross saying, come on, there's room. So for religion, no, I hate it. In fact, I literally resent it. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, I believe he meant it.
0: I love this center because we can use video and all kinds of mediums and like, why would I want to try to replicate that? Man, that was awesome, wasn't it? So here we go. Colossians. He's just building a case here for putting our faith in Jesus, to have a relationship with him, to walk in a vibrant manner of faith. In the scripture, the Bible, in the Greek, it's being filled with wisdom and knowledge. It's playroom. It means to be completely consumed in control of whatever fills them. And that's what Paul in Ephesians 1.17, he says, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, give you spiritual wisdom. And we're going to get to a section here in a minute. It's going to be a prayer that we're going to pray together that I'm going to ask you to pray. Maybe it'll change your life. But I want to follow these points quickly because of what Christ did for me. Number one, I'm already qualified in Christ, in Jesus, to go to heaven because of what Christ has done. Christ has rescued me. He's delivered me from the dominion, and I'm I'm, I'm okay in him. So secondly, I am safe. I'm safe. I'm secure in Christ Jesus. Uh, I don't have to feel ashamed or unworthy. I'm accepted in the beloved. That is the good news of the gospel. And C, I am forgiven. I might feel guilty or whatever, but I don't don't have to walk around that condemnation. Verse 14, he says, he has forgiven some of my sins. Not what the Bible says. The Bible says Christ has forgiven how much? All. Circle that word in your Bible. All. He's forgiven all of our sins. He's, put, he's taken all our sin upon himself. Man, I, I love that. It's Isaiah. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we want to uh, believe a lie and we hold on to it. I, I, w- I would share it this way. I remember years ago when I was I was kind of I was wondering, and then I read it, and then I've seen it, and I've actually been with elephants in Africa. But it, you know, you wonder how a huge, multi-ton animal uh, can be held down by a stake. And the reason is, when they're really, really young, they tie the leg of the elephant to a stake, and he just learns he's controlled, so he he never pulls it over. He just stays there. So then, when he gets to be really big, and he could just like pull over a building. He just stays there. You know what happens? The same thing happens to us spiritually. Sometimes there's something that took root in our life, and we have the power through Jesus Christ to be victorious and overcome, but we just keep believing the lie. This morning, I'm praying you're not going to buy into the lie of religion. You're going to buy into a relationship with Christ and let Christ set you free. Right across the bottom, it just says simply this. Keep the simple focus on Christ. That's the bottom line. Just bottom, foundation, foundation. Make it about Jesus. Just keep your focus on Him. PK, keep your focus on Christ. Friend, keep your focus on Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let Him frame you. Listen to Him. And then what I want to do this morning is a little different. Jeremy's going to play for us in a moment. We're going to have, in a time of just reflection, what I want to do is I want you to see here in verse 9. There's the great prayer of Paul. And I believe it's a prayer for us. It's a prayer that we can practice. And I've taken out and put a blank in so you can insert your name. Uh, if we had another hour, we would break up in small groups and we would pray. I want you to maybe write your Bible and like write your name and pray this over yourself. But God, I, want, I ask that you would fill the people in this living room, people that watch, with the knowledge of your Son, that they would have spiritual wisdom, that they have understanding. Lord, they would follow you. It, it happens in Second Chronicles. For Solomon, it happens. In Daniel, he prays for wisdom, and God grants it to him. He does the same thing for us this morning. So what I want you to do is, I want you to put your name into this block. Go ahead and give me the prayer. It's going to be on three screens. And what I want want us to do, if you'll go ahead and start playing, I, I want us to just look at this verse, and you can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. But I want us to pray this great prayer together. Are you ready? I just want you to just open up. What God might do, that this is a scriptural prayer that we're qualified to pray because of our faith in Christ. Father, please fill, come on, say it with me. Father, and say your name. Father, please fill Keith. Don't say Keith, okay? Your name's not Keith. Let's do it again. <laughs> Father, please fill Keith with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. I pray this in order that Keith may live a life worthy of you and may please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that Keith may have a great endurance and patience and joyfully give thanks to you who has qualified Keith to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For you have rescued Keith from the dominion of darkness. You have brought Keith into the kingdom of the Son of whom you love. And whom Keith has redemption and the forgiveness of sins. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Is that a powerful prayer, church? That it's for you. It's for me. And here's what I hope you'll do. I hope you'll read scripture differently. And I hope you'll insert your name and personalize. This was the prayer, not just for Colossi. Jesus knew that we would meet at 8285 Ryan Road, February 16th, 2014. He knew people would watch via the web today. And he's inviting them to pray these great prayers of faith. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads. Father, we are grateful for your amazing presence, for the power of the Word of God that breaks strongholds, that breaks religion, that cancels religion, that shows me that religion is dead and that you're alive, Christ Jesus, who was resurrected on the third third day you rose for me and for my friends. Lord, in you we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We are grateful, Father. Lord, if there's somebody today that's never called upon the name of Jesus, I pray that today they would be convicted by the gospel that Christ lives he gave his life. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, He arose for them. And if they would put their trust and faith in Jesus Christ, trusting in what Christ, Christ only, they could be saved. And they could live eternally in heaven. Jesus, I pray that people would do that today. They would share that with the staff, with the elders, with people in the room, with friends. God, people watching today, I pray there would be people that would be drawn to Jesus. Not the era of religion, but the God of the universe, the creator. Lord, we worship you, the risen Christ. Lord, I'm grateful for this morning to look at a book that was penned years ago. And it could seem as current as today's newspaper. And that I would learn to refute the ideologies and the heresies and the religion of the day. And that I would want to follow hard after Christ. And I would want to believe Him and submit to His principles and to His Word. That I would grow in wisdom and understanding and I would apply that to my life. Do that for us, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.